All right, team. Bit of a pre-show chat before we uh, before we dive into all things uh, rugby league. The question I've got for you this week, uh, Mickey and Cos. You know, there is so much drama in and around our game at the moment. And, and don't we love it? You know what I mean? It adds to the theatre of what we do here. Um, but come on, you know, what, what's what's annoyed you this week? Mickey, have you got something for me? Um, Yeah, how the Roosters are performing now. <laughs> Where was this, you know, at the start of the season? Um, you know, we're at the pointy end and they're just starting to look like they're looking like their old selves. But um, I like... I think we're still we're still in the good like we're we're just going to get in that top still, eight. I, I still think in contention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um you know a, a lot of teams sort of do this, don't they? And and typically it's it's probably teams in in worse situations. Me, you know, when they're not in finals contention, where they have that late season run where it doesn't really mean anything, give everyone hope, and then next year they they sort of start to struggle. Um, I wouldn't know about that either. The Knights just you know constantly <laughs> sort of struggle, but uh, yeah, no, it's we we thought those combinations and sort of click a little bit earlier in the season, and um, yeah, they kind of haven't. But now they're they're starting to have the moments, and you know as we keep talking about, if they can ever get it to click, Tedesco, Manu, Kiri, Walker. And and I'm still impressed with the, with their hooker situation, even without Brandon Smith, who will come in next year. There, uh, anyway, yeah, Roosters. Let's see what they can do. Um, Cause, you know, this is kind of why we follow this silly game that we all love so much is the drama. But uh, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a week, hasn't it? Plenty going on. Yeah, I think Mark, what's annoyed me and it, it has over the years is the pile on on the storm. This they're blamed for every single tackle that's bad in the game ever. It's like um, so. Paddy Carrigan from the Broncos does a hip drop and apparently it's the Storm's fault that that's happened because Storm have invented every tackle ever. It's like, I don't know, I think maybe I have a, I have a soft spot for Storm obviously because it's usually Sydney media versus yeah. Melbourne. So and, and they're basically Queensland. They're, they're. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I just think it's, it's just a, it's a boring narrative. It's like it's not always the Storm. And the fact is, all clubs do it. So if they blame it for the re- the wrestle, but all clubs do it. So if you don't like it, don't do it. Yeah. But they all do it. It's, so uh, it's interesting. It's just, interesting. Yeah, anyway. I think, um, you know, one of the things I would say from a media perspective is good on Brandy and Cam Smith going at each other. I mean, they work for the same company. They're on radio shows together. Um, you know, obviously it's the second best podcast out there outside of Mojo Sports, but uh, I love that. You know, where two people are just on, you know, they are going at each other respectfully. Um, you love a little bit of debate, but uh, yeah, that little storm wrestling, where did it come from drama? Um, you've got to love it. Look, you know, what's something that's annoyed me? Oh, plenty of things. You know, there's always there's always things happening in our NRL and uh, in, in my life as well. Um, if anyone's got any advice as to how to best manage a two-year-old toddler, um, yeah, slide into my DMs. But um, it would be the Newcastle Knights as it always is. And now it's that time of the year for Knights fans where we start to look ahead to next year. Who are the signings? Who are the new players coming in? We've got Adam Elliott. We've got Jack Hetherington. There's a couple of young kids maybe kind of sort of on their way from the UK. But, yeah, it's certainly not enough to really keep us happy at the moment. So, um, yeah, probably... Something that's annoyed me is, uh, come on, Newcastle, let's try and sneak out a few a few uh, signings. And the other thing, too, is let's go bold. You know, there's a few players that can start to be negotiated with uh, towards the back end of this year. So uh, let's hope the Knights are linked with some big-name players. Uh, where are we going to find the money? Maybe Ponga might have to do a little bit of restructuring and uh, slide over some cash. But um, there we go. Plenty of uh, drama, plenty of action this week in rugby league. But, uh, yeah, we wouldn't have it any other way. All right, team, it's time to kick off the show. Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. 
it's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, season two, episode 53. My name is Dan Frost, and the voices you heard earlier was the great uh, the great panel that we've, we've built here, uh, Mickey, Coz, we've got, a, uh, we've got a couple of trips down at the moment, but that's okay, we keep, to, we keep fighting our way through. Uh, team, you know, again, we've spoken about how dramatic uh, rugby league is at the moment, but we're about to dive into one of our favourite segments here at Mojo Sports, we get to sit down and, uh, and focus on a particular player. And, um, yeah, it's been an incredible ride so far this year. We've tackled a lot of legends and uh, can't wait to talk about uh, this player and all they achieved. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities, but who stands out above the rest? Is Cameron Smith this outstanding leader. Thurston, he hits it, he's yes! got it! He's got the field goal! Andrew John, inside for Elba. You just knew something special was going to happen. All right, Coz, no time to waste. Let's dive into this. This week on All Ball in our Player in Focus segment, we're talking all things Braith and Astar. Now, Coz, you know, Braith's a really interesting character. Uh, yeah, well, he is a character, but also when you go back and look upon his career for a lot of reasons. But if we take it all the way back to the start, I mean, he was a young schoolboy superstar. He was the next big thing coming through the system. Um, you know, obviously played Australian schoolboys and, you know, made his debut at 18 years of age. Coz... We're going to talk about all the things he was able to achieve throughout his career, but you know some of these kids that were able to debut at such a young age and you know not really look out of place. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty special. Yeah, eighteen is a pretty um, scary time to make a debut in NRL. So the fact that he was able to do that was testament to his ability early on. Um, I think uh, I think he only played the one game that season, so it's a good little taste of what's to come, but. I think um, having a coach having faith in someone that young to, to make their debut is, is a pretty good achievement. Mickey, you know, when you obviously follow a team very, very closely, we're always looking for that new player, that fresh player, that, that young rookie coming through the system. I mean, you know, the early 2000s, it was a pretty special time, um, sort of the year that, uh, you know, excuse me, Anasta came through in 2001. My mighty Newcastle Knights won the premiership. As I keep speaking about, the greatest sporting franchise in the world, obviously. But, uh, you know, Mickey, you know, the dogs, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty special time for them. And, uh, again, you're seeing this young kid come through in that playmaking position. I don't know, there's a little bit of similarities between Brace Story and, uh, and your little mate there at Sam Walker uh, at the Roosters. But, again, young player coming through, a lot of talent, and it led to a pretty special couple of years there for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I don't, um, like, have much memory of that time, um, especially, like, the year that he debuted. I was um, not yet don't even, born. Yeah, don't don't, don't um, even make me feel that old, my friend. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he definitely would have been a player that Bulldogs would have really liked, at least nowadays. Um, I could imagine. Um, Cause it before, was just – Sorry. Before, before Mickey makes me feel even older – than I than I feel, yeah. Cause let let's let's talk let's talk about it. Let's let's break it down. What those early two thousands look like because, um, you know, they were they they were a little super team. I mean, you know, it's hard to sort of 
it's hard to define what dynasties look like in terms of how many premierships you've got to win, how successful you've got to be. I think the Melbourne Storm have clearly, uh, you know, ticked that box and Penrith Panthers are well on their way. But Coz, my friend, that Canterbury Bulldogs side at, this, at those, those early 2000s, they were incredibly special, had some unbelievable um, players, Couple of salary cap issues, which we won't go into too much, but uh, yeah, talk, talk to me about Braith because it was it was an important part of it, and um, you know it's a pretty it's a pretty big rise for such a young kid, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the media pressures that came with it, but yeah, it, it's it, it was a lot to sort of step into at a young age. And I say the early years of the two thousands, there was a bit of a roller coaster, a bit of controversy there with the um, the salary cap, and I, I kind of forget about that because again, the storm seems to get most of the focus when you talk about salary cap issues so but that was a that's one thing for the past but I think um yeah so just looking at his numbers so debuted in 2000 and played until 2005 for the for the Bulldogs and there was a lot of success there in that time um and I think so they credited his ability and his playing ability to help the to help the Bulldogs get to you know um, get the those wins into the high high positions in the ladder I think um, again, we're talking about him being so young. So that that is quite an achievement for someone in the halves to be able to to guide a team um, and to have you know a voice on the on the field and have the players listen to him and be able to direct the traffic as as a good half is supposed to do. And I think um, if he gelled well with his his partner there, so I think um, yeah, early Bulldogs. Are, it's a I don't know, it's a distant memory maybe for the doggies fans now, just how dominant they were, but. Um, that was a pretty special time for the for the doggies. Yeah, because you're, you're exactly right. I mean, yeah, to step into that environment as a young kid, I mean, you know, you, you've done a few things. You've won a couple of titles early on in your sort of juniors coming through. You're the next big thing. But, that you know, that's one thing. You know, the next thing is to step into a room with, you know, the Willie Masons, the Mark O'Mealy's, the Sonny Bill Williams. You know, obviously he was a young guy come through. Like all of these unbelievable players and say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the shots. I'm going to call out players. It's a very, very difficult Thing and, a, and a lot of um, a lot of playmakers have really struggled with it. So obviously, yeah, the Canterbury Bulldogs go through uh, a very topsy turvy um, period, uh, not through form, unbelievably talented side, but were able to yeah come away with an incredible um, premiership in two thousand and four. Um, you know, one of one of the all time performances. And again, you know, I, I hate to get sentimental, but you know, this is what some of these segments are all about. But cause I just feel like. The game is better when the Canterbury Bulldogs are absolutely firing. I mean, that period was a bit of a golden era. We've seen some other periods as well over the years where the, where the Bulldogs have got hot. They've even reached a few grand finals. But that fan base and, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's a bit different, isn't it, for rugby league when, when the Bulldogs are firing? I think, yeah, talk, the fan base, it is a very passionate fan base. It's a very diverse fan base as well. And I think, like you said, having, having the doggies do well, um, I think, They've made a couple more grand finals after that. They weren't as successful, but still having um, you know, that fan support, the colour, the excitement, um, and just having different, different areas of, of Sydney um, light up with excitement for rugby league. I think that the dogs are really good at bringing that community element to, to the game as well. So, um, yeah, I, dogs doing well. They are they are. You know, winning a couple of games this year, so you know they're firing the excitement in, in the fan base again. But um, yeah, nowhere near as dominant as they were in those early years. Yeah, well, that's right. Maybe we're starting to get a bit of an indication that the glory days are you know not too far away. But certainly back at that time, it was it was pretty special. Cosy leaves and Asta leaves the Bulldogs. I mean, you know, you think about you know some of those years, and there was just so much 
speculation in and around him, um, you know, and his contract every single time, you know. And, you know, because I, I, the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit with Braith is, is I feel like he was at that start of that really – you know that 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 microscope when it comes to um, when it comes to media. I just feel like he's a classic example of a player where it didn't matter what he did, he was always in the news. He was always had that sort of coverage. Um, I guess it just added to the amount of pressure that I'm sure he felt at times. Talk to me a little bit about that because you know we've seen Benny Hunt, you know your beloved Dragons. He goes through the same sort of thing. There's just particular players that just catch the eye of the media, and um, yeah, they, they, they certainly follow pretty closely. Yeah, I had for my notes drama. So lots of just on-field drama, off-field drama just seemed to follow him around, I think. I don't know. But again, just thinking back to that time, maybe because he, you know, had a, a flash of flash of Hollywood about I don't not Hollywood, but, you know, like a dating starlet and doing things which maybe um, rugby league players don't do. So or like a lightning rod for criticism, unfair or fair. Um, but, yeah, I think. Also, like mentioning how he moved to the Roosters, so his and not and not South, given his mum was the the sister of George Piggins, Rabbitohs royalty. So you think if you're going to go anywhere, you'd go to the Rabbits. But um, and then also um, having to say publicly the reason why he went to the Roosters isn't for the money; it's for the challenge. So I don't know if he was one of the first to to generate that that. Um, that statement which seems to, to come all the time that any player goes to another club on big money. So it just seems to yeah attracted a whirlwind of, of drama, just one of those players. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Very uh, very controversial. So, you know, obviously the, the decision to move was a uh, – you know, it was a big one. It was it was certainly an interesting one. But that was peak and Astar. You know, when you talk about some of, um, you know, we'll obviously go through some of his stats. You know, 288 games in total in first grade, 110 for the Bulldogs, 147 for the Roosters, 31 for the West Tigers finishing out his career. And then you look at his representative career, uh, four games for Australia, uh, 10 caps for New South Wales, seven for City. Um, and he also represented Greece and had a couple of PM um, jerseys as well. Um Cause trying to again, you know, thinking about Mickey and some of our younger listeners who you know know him as a bit of a you know media personality now and didn't get an opportunity to see him play. Best trying to describe him play, um, cause I would, I would talk about the ultimate competitor. Obviously, there was there was a lot of fight there. There was a lot of um, you know clear leadership, um, a natural runner of the football, strong passing game, good kicking game. Cause there wasn't too many um, weaknesses. You know, you, you wouldn't say out and out superstar athletically but a guy who put a lot of time and effort into his craft and, um, you know, had a very successful career. Yeah, I had is incredibly solid, like solidly solidly built for a half. That's why he played a bit of block as well, but just a solid performer and also very tough because I think, again, we're talking about him attracting media attention. He also attracted the attention of the opposition. So and he had quite a few injuries that he came back from, like um, broke uh, fractured foot, fractured sternum. And what just why I can't remember who did it, but he got his face absolutely smashed in. His nose was flattened. He's got tape wrapped around his head, and he's still playing. I'm like, how are you playing? How are you breathing with no nose? And he still and looks better than me. I mean, what's <laughs> I know, but it's just I think um, while he copped a lot of crap, he was he was really tough. So, and yeah, he did have some skills as well. So obviously, um, you know, he was a superstar when he was younger and. Perhaps you know when you when you move up a level, there there's more superstars, and you kind of get maybe lost in the forest. But um, he still had a lot of ability. But I had he was a very solid player. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to exactly pick out, you know, the peak of his career. You know, obviously started young, rookie of the year and all of that. Um, you know, won a premiership at Canterbury. Those early years, there were some mixed results there, um, you know, for the Roosters. But around 2007, I feel like, you know, that's kind of where you're seeing the peak of Anasta. Um, you know, he was able to, to um, you know, win Daily M 5-8 of the year. So there was certainly... Um, some periods of time where he was, you know, one of the game's absolute best. And I just, I don't know, I just don't feel like he's a player that gets spoken enough about. Um, at the peak of his powers, he was there um, and, you know, obviously he came to a period there at state level where we were coming up against uh, some handy football teams there, Cos. Thanks for that. Um, but, um, yeah, he certainly certainly went about doing his thing. Um, Mickey, uh, talk, thinking about um, your memories of him in that Roosters jersey, talk to us a little bit about that because, um, you know, it was a little bit of a sp- uh, sporadic time for the Roosters. I felt like they were either winning a premiership or they were kind of in a rebuild. It was a, it was a weird time there during that period for the Roosters. Yeah, I, um, I remember like, yeah, sort of starting around that 2007 time when he was there in the halves with, like Mitchell Pierce and I think Todd Carney was there for sort of like switching between those three. Um, like one of my fondest memories would have had to be, I'm sure it was like the quarter quarterfinals maybe in 2010 when they were playing against the Tigers and like that field goal that he kicked that like one roosters the game that was like unreal. Like I think it was from about 40 metres out and it was just like such a solid kick, you know. And I just remember it was such like a messy plan. I'm like, oh, my God, like what is going to happen? Because my brother goes for Tigers too. So we were like, you know, head to head. And then, yeah, so that was probably like one of my fondest memories there. Yeah. Of him at the Roosters. <laughs> and uh, I've got to be careful what I say here because, you know, the 2010 obviously plays in that pre- uh, that, uh, that grand final cause, um, you know, pr- pretty good mates with Sowie and uh, he did his little thing. But, uh, yeah, can't say Tim, but, you know, ob- obviously there, there, there were, you know, it, it was patchy, you know, that, that's that's what the Roosters were at that point in time. They're either rebuilding, they're struggling, or they're there or thereabouts. Um, you know, disappointing that he really didn't get to, that, that him and Trent Robinson, that those errors didn't really align because I feel like that could have been... Um, that could have been a pretty good pairing, um, you know, because, you know, it's, you know, there, there are a lot of one club players and things. So Anasta, you know, did make that move and then did shift over to the Tigers. Um, and, you know, what's to say about the Tigers? You know, obviously there hasn't been too much success there, but, you know, obviously he was able to go over there and uh, and knock out, you know, uh, 30 games uh, for, for that club as well. Um, all right, team. Well, uh, as we always wrap up this little segment on, we talk about uh, Hall of Fame. We talk about immortality. I mean, we've had we've spoken about some absolute legends of the sport. Um, yeah, wh- what, are we, what are we thinking when it comes to Braith and Asta? Uh, Mickey, you, you um, kick us off. Yeah, I... I don't think he would fit the immortal status. I don't think he has, like, especially, like, obviously in that time he's coming up against, you know, like your Cam Smiths and whatever else. He just doesn't really fit in there. Um, and I feel like Hall of Fame, obviously, he could – well, he probably will be. Um, he's, he's still just such a big part of the game today, like, you know, in all his media and everything. So he's not going to be one that's – I think fully forgotten. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I haven't spoken about his media. I mean, absolutely great. His football brain, you know, and his commentary, his media and his analysis, ability to break down the game. You know, you wonder whether, 
you know, there, there's just been such a massive growth in the media. You wonder where, whether we're losing a few of our coaches as well. It's something I think about and something that's been spoken about. You, you look at a guy like Anasta, and I, I think he would have made a great coach. Uh, look, for me, no, obviously not, not, not in the immortal conversation, obviously. Uh, Hall of Fame, no, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's probably a no from me. I, I think, you know, 288 games, that's very, very impressive. Ten, um, uh, ten caps for New South Wales. It certainly puts you in the conversation, absolutely. But, uh, you know, when you start to look at these names, you're putting them side by side and you're checking some of these CVs, they are unbelievable. So maybe a few more premierships um, would have would have moved him in. So, yeah, pro- probably a no. But, um, yeah, certainly not trying to undersell his career. Um, incredible. Cos, uh, what about yourself? Yeah, same. Like, well, obviously not immortal, but even Hall of Fame, I think, it's, I don't know, you can't put everyone in there. And I think he my first impressions are he's a very solid player, very good, but not, not like so not an out and out superstar, not one that maybe not the first picked when you're gonna, you know, pick a pick a team. In saying that, like you said, he had a few seasons where he was outstanding, but I think overall Hall of Fame he'll just miss out for me. Yeah. I know. I feel a bit harsh, but no, it's the it, honest truth. <laughs> it's uh, not everyone can get in, that's why they call it the Hall of Fame. But uh no, look, you know, and Astor at, at at the time, again I'll say it again, there were periods um throughout his career where he was, you know, you know, in the top playmakers in the game so he had some very very special moments very very talented footballer and had a very long career so should definitely be proud of everything that he was able to achieve um absolutely uh, incredible there and again a little bit of a little bit of a walk down memory lane there for some of our Bulldogs fans as well so hopefully there's some better times ahead for our Canterbury Bulldogs uh, fans out there all right team let's dive into our next segment for tonight the match the most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right, team, we've got a cracking match tonight. We'll continue with our coach battles, and tonight we see the great Trent Robinson coming up against Desi Hasler. Because, you know, this was a bit of a, a deliberate pairing because there are not too many people in the rugby league community that have a bad word to say about Trent Robinson. In fact, I'd... I'd I think he's one of the most beloved coaches and for a reason in the game. Desi Hasler, on the other hand, my friend, if you really dig into his CV, he is one of the, you know, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it. Um, but, you know, I, I just, yeah, you'll get a bit, get a bit of a, uh, I guess, a mixed reaction from, uh, from people when we do talk about Des as a coach. So, um, yeah, talk us through these two coaches, Trent Robinson, Desi Hasler, and uh, no sitting on the fence, my friend. We've, uh, we've got to pick one. I think they are quite contrasting styles. So it is very um, a good example of how you can be successful if you know yourself and you know how you work best because like Desi's nickname, mad scientist, he has mad schemes and plans. He's, you know, a bit crazy. Everyone loves his hair because it's just unkempt and you think, is he a bit like an Einstein because he looks like he has no idea what he's doing, but he obviously does have some idea of what's happening. And then you've got um, Trent Robinson, who I think um, we call the thinking fans coach because he's just so analytical. He seems to plan everything. Um, and it's funny because both of them are obviously quite passionate and passionate about their their teams and players. But um, I've got Robinson has a very controlled energy, controlled passion because he's he's been fined heaps for his comments after games as well. But I think... You just forget that he's he's having a go at someone just the way he delivers his criticism. 
Whereas Desi just has that hectic mad energy, which I think attracts a lot of people to his style. Um, but then it also maybe um, turns people off because they go, what is this man doing? Like what is happening? So I think it's, it's quite a fun matchup because their styles are so different, but it's funny that they're, they're both quite successful in their own way. So, and I, and cause if they both came off contract, which, you know, I don't think is going to happen anytime soon. And, you know, maybe there was potentially an opening there at your St. George Illawarra Dragons and you had to pick one coach. Uh, which way are you going, my friend? I think for a team like the Dragons, you need someone like Robinson, Harry, who's a bit more maybe not disciplinary, but just has more plans and knows and can think out what he's going to do with the team. I think um, Des, you kind of forget that he was at the dogs and how successful he was there because he just think he just has the vibe of manly. Um, and I think you need to have a connection, like a player or a coach like Des, I think would work better if you have like a deep connection with the club. Um, I think Robinson though, uh, he's, he just seems like he has a system that could fit the mop could fit and help fix any club. Right? Dragons need yeah, there's, there's help. Not- and I think someone like Robinson would be good to, Plan out, plan out some some ways to to fix the root cause of whatever issues there are at the club. Yeah, there's there's not too many things uh, Robert couldn't fix. I think he'd come over to your house and fix your fridge. To be honest, if it was on the blink. So uh, very very talented. All right, Mickey, you're going to go Robbo. How about we give a little bit of love to Des first, and then tell us why you stick with your coach. A um, little bit jealous that you get Trent Robinson as your coach. To be honest, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, talk to me about your observations of um, of Desi, and then uh, yeah, share some love for you for your coach there at the Chooks. Yeah, I definitely think as Cos was saying, like he definitely gives like manly vibes, like. When I think Manly, like, I always forget that there's been other coaches, like, especially as Cos said as well, like, when he was at Bulldogs, which I forgot happened as well. Um, like, yeah, just for, yeah, as I said, yeah, Manly vibes. Um, but looking at his stats, like, how many times that he has coached teams just to finals level, you know, like, that's, it has been pretty consistent there. Um probably not this year for Manly, um, but who knows? Never know what happens. But, yeah, I think he has, I don't know, like there's just something there that just makes the players, I don't know, just work, combine somehow. I don't know. I feel like he's not the sort of coach I would want to be coached by maybe with how, I don't know, some of the sprays that I feel like he would give. I feel like I wouldn't react very well to that. I mean, whereas he only, only rips doors off, you know. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty, you know, a Desi spray, it's, it's, it's not. All right, my yeah. friend. And, yeah. and talk, talk, talk to us about Robbo. I mean, you know, I don't know whether you take it for granted as a fan, but there are not too many Trent Robinsons out there. Um, obviously, the Roosters are in a really great position to have him. But, yeah, what is it like to be a fan of a club that has – a coach as great as Trent Robinson because, um, yeah, he's obviously a very, very special mind in our game. Yeah, I feel like it – I feel like it would be so cool just to, like, have him as a coach. Like, if I ever – I don't know, if for some reason was playing for the Roosters, like, <laughs> and having him as the coach, I feel like I would feel like – almost like he's, like, the dad of the group and he just gives, like, those sort of vibes. Like, he can get mad at you, but he's not going to stay mad at you. Um, I feel like all coaches are probably going to be like that, but I don't know, just the way that, yeah, 
like we'll be driving you home and be like, oh, we're not getting Maccas tonight. And like, <laughs> oh, oh, well. <laughs> no, but um, no, he's, he's definitely just done something for the Roosters that, I don't know. I've I've been happy with obviously because there hasn't there hasn't been too many times where we've been okay. again out of that top I, eight. Uh, you're rubbing <laughs> it in now to, to this Newcastle Knights fan. No, I I, I I get it. So you're going to go Robinson. Look for me the coach battles. Um, look, you know one of the things that's most impressive about these two is I feel like and they've proven that they can you know just be dropped on any club in the competition and they will make them successful. And that is definitely not the case with. A lot of the coaches that are out there, Desi obviously was able to go and do his thing at Canterbury. You know, it wasn't a sob story. Canterbury have a lot of resources, you know, a lot of good support systems there, some good players. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I feel like Desi is a is a uh, coach who could be put anywhere and be successful. And then, obviously, he's manly through and through, Mickey. I loved you sort of talking about that because there are just some clubs that you feel like need that um, pure, um, you know, connection there. And, you know, one of the things that doesn't often get spoken about is – Des Hasler's quiet but not so quiet career. Three hundred and twelve games as a player. Um, you know, he he was um, you know he was he was a great player in his own right. So to then go on and, and do all the things that he's done um, as a coach is is pretty spectacular. And he does play some media games as well. I think a lot of the personality that he puts out there looks a little bit different behind the scenes. So you know his ability to kind of relate to his players um, I think is pretty special. Uh, flip it over to Trent Robinson, who I'm probably going to have to pick for this one. Robbo is, I mean, I don't, I, I cannot tell you how much money I would pay for the, the, the Trent Robinson channel of content. I mean, if he, if I was able to just sit there and listen to him behind the scenes, break down tape, he is unbelievable. Uh, and I think one of the things that I guess separates Trent from a lot of people is he's a true educator. So there are a lot of great players in rugby league. There are a lot of great coaches who have an unbelievable mind and they understand the game. But do you have the ability to kind of teach that, to educate that? Uh, Trent is a coach. He coaches up players. Um, And, you know, some of his projects, some of the younger players that he's developed and brought through, very, very impressive. Um, And then obviously, um, you know, the culture that he's been able to build there. So, yep, a lot of jealousy coming from this side of the table uh, in terms of uh, what the Roosters have been able to produce there and Manly. But um, two very, very special coaches, Trent by a whisker for me. All right, team, let's dive into our final segment for tonight, uh, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing Closing Time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, team, continuing on with our Repair Shop series. Uh, this week, we're rolling in another team to give them a bit of, bit of an oil change, a bit of a, a once-over. Uh, this week's team is the Manly Warringah Seagulls. What repairs should be made to the Manly side? Thinking about, you know, sort of you know, towards the back end of this year uh, as well as looking ahead to next year. Uh, Mickey, thoughts on this one? Um, what are some of the things Manly need to focus in on? Um, having their players not be injured all the time, That's especially key players like um, Tommy Turbo and... You know, like, oh, that poor guy. I swear every season he's getting some sort of major injury. Like, I don't know what they can do to, like, help him. Like, I don't know, maybe he just needs to play in bubble wrap. Um, I was thinking, <laughs> so what if we, Mickey, what if we put him in a float tank and then we mm-hmm. just, like, you know, obviously just before kickoff we just ease him out? I don't know. It's No, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's a good call, obviously, the, the Tommy T situation because, you know, they're, they're a player away, aren't they, from being an absolute contender 
Um, and, you know, it was a little bit disappointing when they went on that special run that they didn't convert that, Mickey, because um, you probably felt like, you know, this is something that can happen most years. But, yeah, injuries continue to get manly. Cos, what about yourself, manly? Um, always there or thereabouts. We spoke about that coach, pretty handy. Um, you've got a lot of love for that captain down there too, DCE, and there's some pretty special plays in and around the group. Talk to us about Manly. Where do you think they need to sort of focus in on? I think it's their consistency. They're not the only club guilty of that this year. It seems like the NRL um, every week there's, you know, topsy-turvy. But just looking at their differential, they're minus eight. So they've lost a lot of close ones, it seems. So just just need to get in that grind, win those close ones and just consistently. I, I don't know, we talk about Manly, like, you know, bringing, like everyone hates Manly, but they bring you down to their level. But they need they need to to get in that grind and win the close close matches and, and get those wins up if they want to make the finals. They're just outside it, but I don't know. I think they can push even though they've got a couple injuries, obviously. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, a fully fit team would be pretty scary for opposition. Yeah, it'd be a pretty good start. Look, for me, uh, when it comes to Manly, good team. Uh, I'd love to be in their position, to be honest. But, you know, when you're thinking about, okay, how do we start to sort of make that next step up, you know, and really compete with those those top... You, you obviously have to go back and reevaluate your spine, and that's something Manly's done. Kieran Foran moves on to the Gold Coast Titans next year. I think that's a pretty big loss. I mean, I thought Kieran Foran was dusted a few years ago with all of those injuries. An unbelievable finish to his career. If he goes up to the Titans and be successful, what an unbelievable story that is. So I think Manly going to miss him a little bit um but basically what manly want to be doing is they want to be upgrading in their spine so the question is what can schuster do next year in that six jersey it's going to be a it's going to be one of the most critical pre-seasons for him building those combinations with Olakuatu on that edge really trying to build something a little bit special so yeah schuster i think is going to play a big part um that number nine position we know the issue we know some of the all the background with uh, Manasi uh, Fainau and, uh, you know, Lockie Croker's done a really good job there. But I think, yeah, reevaluating that spine and making sure that's in a really good position for next year, I think is, um, you know, going to help them against against some of the big challenges. But, uh, yeah, there we go. There's a couple of ideas. I think we've done that there. we fixed Manly. Uh, they'll go on and win the comp next year. Uh, not great, given they're the arch rivals of my beloved Newcastle Knights. All right, team, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat, Cos, Mickey, great job. Uh, we also introduced tonight our uh, our new producer behind the scenes here on the NRL show, uh, Martin Pickup. It's uh, great to have you on board, Martin. You are an absolute rugby league tragic. You are going to fit in just nicely here. So uh, welcome to Mojo Sports and welcome to the NRL show. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great to have you on board. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support. So how can you continue to support us? It's simple. Download the podcast, share with family and friends. Thank you for choosing Mojo Sports. And until next time, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.